Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. We are starting a new series called Empowered. And this is a series about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I know this is one of those subjects that there's all kinds of emotions about and feelings about, probably because of some experiences maybe you've had in your life. Uh, We got to go on vacation this summer, and on the way back from vacation, we stopped in a small town called Bluffton, South Carolina, and it's a really cool town. It's almost like an old town that HGTV came in and sort of took over. That's how it looks, right? It's just, it's all like new, hip, cool, fresh, old houses that have been redone. It's just beautiful. And so we are in this town, they have this tiny little bookstore, and it's become this family tradition on the way back that we stop here and we let our kids pick out a book uh, for the, the, the plane ride home. And so my kiddos pick out a book, and one of our kids picked out a book called Where's Waldo? Has anyone ever heard of Where's Waldo before? Yeah, yeah. So as a child, my favorite part of going to the dentist office, which is terrible, right? Going to the dentist. No offense to any dentist in the room, okay? But when you're a kid, you're, you're just, you know, you don't want to go to the dentist, but they had Where's Waldo books in the lobby, and I just loved that. And there, my, so my son gets the book, right? And, you know, there are certain pages where you're like, this is an evil trick. Like, Waldo's not on this page, right? Th- this, is, this is the one where they're trying to trick us, and he's not really there, right? So y- 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 y'all see the example of Where's Waldo? And I was thinking about this, because um, we did finally find Waldo. But I wonder if the church is like that sometimes. A whole book dedicated to Waldo but you can barely find him. And a whole organization dedicated to God with committees and small groups and you know boards and buildings with services and songs and books and all kinds of stuff dedicated to God, but we have to look really, really hard to find him. We're straining to find, like, where is he? And today, we're going to be looking at how God reveals himself in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And I wonder how many of us as believers, maybe your life is like that book. It's like a life that I'm dedicated to God. But if I'm honest... There are many times where I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Do we have to strain to find him? So this morning, as we talk about being empowered, we're going to be looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I was reminded of a quote by A.W. Tozer, who's an amazing man of God, author, pastor, just wonderful. And uh, he, he used this phrase that there's this, this exchange between God and our soul that, that we're meant to have a personal, conscious awareness of him. 
a personal conscious awareness of him. I, uh, I have a book by Rob Reimer. It's called uh, Spiritual Authority is the name of the book. And he has this quote in the book. And I thought it was, I don't know, maybe interesting for us as we talk about this concept of being empowered. And here's what he says. When our experience doesn't match up with what the Bible says, we only have a few options. We, we can explain away what the Bible plainly teaches to lower it to meet our impotent experience. We may feel better with this approach, but we live far beneath our potential. We can feel the dissonance between what the Bible says and what we are experiencing, and we can grumble and complain and wait around passively for something to change. Or there is a third option. We can seek to evaluate our experience to match what the scripture teaches. Wow. And that's what I'm going to call us to as a church body, that we'd be people that would say, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the scriptures teach. Rather than saying, oh, well, that doesn't happen anymore, we're going we're gonna to challenge ourselves to say, okay, God, what do you want to do now here with us? Because we want that. Okay? We're going to be talking about Hello, Holy Spirit. That's the name of the message today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 if you want to go there. This is a passage I've taught on before, and it's a passage where the Holy Spirit introduces himself in a very powerful, powerful way uh, in the early church. And in fact, this was the sort of the birth of the early church at this moment, a day that we call Pentecost. And we're just going to read the story, and then I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse verse 1, and here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, talking about the disciples that Jesus had said, I want you to go into the city. I want you to wait until power comes from on high. And you're just going to wait there. And so they're, they're there together, these disciples. In verse 2, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5, now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. So these people had come in for this, this special feast, right? this uh, celebration, and, and there's people from all over the world in Jerusalem at this moment. And it says, when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this 
mean? Good question. Verse 13. But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. If you're drunk by nine, right, that's a problem. Verse 16, on the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, Listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. Did you catch that? He said, look, you used these men to do this, but this was God's plan all along. He'd already worked this out, right? You used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him, but God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Wow. Let me read a couple more verses. We're going to skip to verse 32. He says, God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. That's key. If you're a person who studies the, the New Testament, you need to know this was written by people who saw this with their own eyes. Verse 33, therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. So Jesus, risen from the dead, we've seen it. And he has received this promise of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And he, Jesus, has poured this out. That's what he says. Verse 38, 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I think he's talking about us. As many as the Lord our God will call. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Hello, Holy Spirit, right? Crazy. Sound fills that place and they hear it. And not just the disciples, but like the whole town hears a sound and they feel it, right? They, they feel it filling that place. They, they see the tongues of fire on their heads. They begin to speak in other languages like spontaneously. It's like, whoa, 
crazy. Talk about a dramatic entrance. Now, I know some of you are more introverted, and like the worst thing in the world for you would be to say, hey, everyone, look at me, right? That's like, that's your top fear. Okay, when I got called into church planting, I did not know, I didn't think about the fact that I would stand in front of people like you and, and constantly say, hey, everyone, look at me, right? That's just... But that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. In this moment, he says, hey, everyone, look over here. Because he has something to show them. And he says this to the people. This gift is for you. Now that word gift... It's like a gratuity. It's a free gift. It's something that you, you don't earn it. You, you, it just, it's just given to you. And he says, this gift is for you. It's God's gift to you. And here's how you receive it. Here's the precondition. Repent and believe. That's it. Repent and believe. And this gift is for you. So... I know some of you, you've seen things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that, that freak you out and scare you, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. You've seen some craziness out there somewhere, and you're like, ah, I'm not sure about that. Some of you maybe have been in settings where you're like, man, it's, it's a great church, but it's just so dead. It's just ugh, so dead. And we're kind of caught in between this place of like, we, we, want, we, we want to experience God. We're, we're people, we want the authentic Christianity that this talks about. Like we, if it's here, we want it. We, we want it. But there's fears that we have about that. And so I'm hoping that today, if we could just look at what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, that maybe they'll speak to some of those fears and that we might be just a little bit more open to what God wants to do in each of our lives. So if we receive this gift, what in the world is he going to do to us? Let's, let's talk about that. First, first point that I have for you this morning is that the Holy Spirit reveals. He's a revealer. That's what he does. He, and, and as we talked about, he reveals himself. Now, he did it in a very, very dramatic way on this particular day. And uh, when we think about the Holy Spirit in us and the way that he gifts us and empowers us, that he's doing that to reveal himself. Like God is, is going public with himself. He's, he's letting people see himself at work in us because he's a revealer. He's also one that reveals his presence. And this happens, and you've probably been there before. If you've been around here, there have been moments in our church body where I'm just like, wow, like God is in this place. He's, he's shifted the atmosphere of the room. If you've been in a place like that before, it could be a sense of just the overwhelming love of God or the holiness of God, right? It, it could be a peace or joy, or hope, or a sense of God's glory. He reveals his presence. He, he brings a sense of, a, a, almost like a tangible sense of himself being near you, around you, with you. 
It's because he reveals. In verse 5, as we talked about, he, um, he, he reveals himself in such a way to get their attention. And I think it's important to understand that he's not here to put on a show. The Holy Spirit is not given to us to entertain us. He's drawing people to salvation. That when, when he moves and Peter speaks and he says, let me explain to you what's happening here. It says their hearts are cut, they're pierced. Because the spirit was moving in such a way that he was revealing himself so they could respond to him. He revealed their hearts as they recognized their sin. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He says, when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth, meaning he's going to, he's going to open your, your, your understanding, your, your eyes, as we say, open our eyes to understand truth. He's going to reveal it to us. That's why when, when you read your Bible, which I hope you read your Bible during the week, when you open it, I, I encourage you to say, Holy Spirit, spirit of truth, would you please help me understand what I'm going to read today? Because he's a revealer. He reveals truth to us. He declares things that are coming to us. He reveals things to us. In 2 Peter, he says this, above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Meaning that this word itself, was, it, it was written by people who were being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when we, when we open up God's word, we're, we're reading things that were, that were inspired and revealed by the Holy Spirit. He's a revealer. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit empowers. Oh man, this is one that we need so much today. Um, in verse two, we, we talked about this, this sound like that. And here's the, the word it uses of a violent rushing wind. Just, the, just imagine the, like the sound that they're experiencing in this moment. And they're seeing tongues of fire. And these are like, it's like wind and flame. And this is like power. I mean, this is power that they're experiencing. I mean, hello, Holy Spirit, they're spontaneously enabled or empowered to speak this language that they don't even know so that someone could hear the wonders of God in their own native tongue. And we have Peter, by the way, it's no small feat that Peter steps up in front of all these people and says this. Now, I know that we talk about Peter being the one who would say anything and put his foot in his mouth all the time, but just remember right before this, you know, when Jesus is uh, being um, questioned, Peter's there in the courtyard of this little place, and there's a campfire, and there's a servant girl, and says, weren't you with him? No, no, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. Three times before a servant girl, Peter denies Jesus. Now, Jesus does restore him. But now, Peter stands up in front of three, well, 3,000 people respond. I don't know how many thousands of people in this moment. 
and boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus. That's called power. He quotes the prophet Joel. And prophet Joel says this. Talk about being empowered. And it will be in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now that's key. Because there were people in their history that had received power. Right? They, they knew about Elijah and Elisha and David and Samson and like all these characters that had received the spirit of God in such a powerful way. But this was something that was reserved for the very few before Jesus is risen from the dead. It's like all of a sudden because of the forgiveness and mercy and grace that could cleanse our sinful hearts and make them fit for the the spirit of God to come in to make us holy enough for a spirit to come. Now this is being poured out on all people, and he talks about, you know, sons and daughters, and they're gonna they're gonna prophesy. They're gonna see visions. He's he's talking about being empowered. They're gonna dream dreams that that the servants and the men and women they will prophesy, and these wonders are gonna be displayed. And he's telling them, look, this is now. The power of God has come upon us now by the Holy Spirit because he empowers us. I mean, consider the life of Jesus. Jesus lived in obscurity for 30 years. And he just lived a sinless, perfect life as a Jewish dude who was a carpenter who learned the trade from his dad. And then there's this moment where John the Baptist, the crazy guy eating cockroaches, right, in the, in the woods, and he's got his camel hair thing on, and there's John the Baptist out there saying, repent, right? And, and then Jesus comes out and he says, behold the Lamb of God, who's gonna take away the sin of the world? I am not fit to untie his sandals, and Jesus is baptized, and you know the story, and it says, the voice of heaven speaks, it says, this is my son, my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And then you remember, the spirit descends like a what? Like a dove. And it says it rests on him. And then all of a sudden, he's being led by the spirit now. He's led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted. And after that, he comes back in the power of the spirit. And, and, and here's what's been just astounding to me is that we read the things about Jesus and we say, well, of course he could do that because he's the son of God. Of course he knew their thoughts. Of course he could heal that guy. Of course he could preach. Of course he could teach. He could do all that stuff because he's fully God and fully man. And we're like, yes, he is, Absolutely. But Jesus did it all in the power of the Spirit. You know why? So that people like you and me would know that that's not just something that he did. In fact, he said this curious thing. He said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. In fact, they they will do even greater things. What? No, no, no. That's just for you, Jesus. No, no. He's saying, Jesus is saying, no, this is for you. How? How could we ever do it? I'm going to empower you. The Holy Spirit 
empowers us. He empowers us to serve the Lord. He empowers us with spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about that during this series. He empowers us to overcome spiritual opposition. We had one of our our church members who just felt like they were constantly under this barrage of spiritual warfare. And I asked the other day, like, how's that going? And the person said, great. And I said, what happened? And they said, I was praying and battling and praying, and then it just, it just lifted. It was gone. Wow. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to resist temptation. Anybody need some power in your life? Amen? We do. The Spirit is the one who gives life to us, and the flesh doesn't help at all. I uh, was reading or listening to Dr. Rob Reimer, from the author of that book I had read or quoted from, and he shared some stories because he lives up kind of in the Northeast, and um, his, uh, he was at a friend's house, and the son was watching a show called Scooby-Doo. You guys know Scooby-Doo, right? And the thing about Scooby-Doo is that at the end of the show, the, like, the ghost or the whatever was always like a man in a sheet, and he was like some weird guy from the town, right? Y'all, y'all know the storyline. Like, it always ended. They figured out it wasn't really a ghost. It was a guy in a sheet, okay? Well, he's watching the show kind of like just sort of noticing what's happening in the show. And at the end of the show, the ghost was a ghost. And he was like, well, that's different. He, uh, his father was battling a terrible form of leukemia, and because of where they live, they were being uh, treated by um, the medical students and doctors that were trained at Harvard, and he said, every nurse and doctor that came in asked us if we would like to receive Reiki healing. Do you know what that is? It's basically like a, it's a form of spiritual healing, but it's not Jesus, He also said that at a, at a local school in the school district that he was near, um, that they were bringing in a medium that was giving, quote unquote, prophetic words to students. Came in seven different times. And he went to the district and raised, you know, Hades over this thing, saying like, this is wrong. We had to get this out of here. And they stopped. And then when he moved away, he heard through the grapevine that that person was back again giving prophetic words to students. And he makes this point, and I think he's right, that in a pluralistic world where every truth is considered equal, where every belief system is considered equally true or valid, right? The world that we live in. He says it's going to take a demonstration of power for the church to be on mission in North America. I think he's right. People are saying, well, you know, the Hindus and the Muslims and this group and that group and the New Age, and and they just, they'll sample it all. And Jesus, I think, is raising up a standard again to say, no, no, this is the way and the truth and the life. It's going to happen through people like us, regular, normal people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need it, friends. We need this. Third, the Holy Spirit purifies. He's called the Holy 
spirit for a reason. We, 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 we didn't read it, but there's a, a point in that, uh, that day of Pentecost where the people say, what should we do? Right? They're, they're aware, like, oh, you're right. We were wrong. We shouldn't have had Jesus killed. We're all sinners. What do we do now? It's because the Holy Spirit was moving in such a way that they realized, I'm not right. And I need to be purified. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through, uh, 9 through 11, Paul gives one of his lists. He has these lists of the sin list, right? The flesh list. And here's what he says. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Don't be deceived. No sexually immoral per, uh, person, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this. Hello, anyone in the church? We were there. But he says this about them. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Meaning the Spirit of God comes into our lives and he's constantly drawing us towards greater and greater Purity. It's like that, that, sort of that, that sort of progression in our life that we call sanctification. And I remember as a young believer, right, you have these sin struggles, and you would think, gosh, man, once I get over this one, whoo, I'm home free. Like, that's the big one. And, and so you pray, and you battle, and you tell your friends, hold me accountable to this, because I, I just want to honor God. I, I want to obey him. And, and you, you work through that thing, and you finally get the victory, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. And then he starts showing you something else. And you're like, wait a minute. I just did this. <laughs> Welcome to walking with the spirit who's called holy. Because he's constantly purifying us. You know why? Because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control and whenever we're allowing the spirit of God to illuminate to shine to to get that part of our conscience that says oh yeah yeah, no I know that's that's not right right and we're we're allowing him to transform us and purify us we get more love joy peace but as soon as we stop and say no no that's far enough <laughs> that's far enough for me all of a sudden, the love, the joy, the peace begins to just lessen in our lives. The Lord has given us sanctification not to say, you terrible person, how dare you? No, he's saying, look, I want more love. I want more joy. I want more peace in your life. And here's the path to get it. Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Greater and greater purity. And on this side of heaven, we had our, our first uh, framework men's discipleship group. And we had a man there. I think he was about to turn 86. And we were talking about, you know, struggles in life. And he's like, I wish I could say that at my age, I've got it all under wraps now. And he's like, but no, no, on this side of heaven, we're always going to be growing and changing and being transformed 
by the Holy Spirit that purifies. The fourth and last point that I want to say is this. The Holy Spirit unifies. People from all over the world were in Jerusalem at this moment. And they were all different colors and shapes and sizes and they ate different food and they had different clothing and they had different customs and cultures. And then all of a sudden, in one glorious moment, all those people are brought under one banner of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit does something that takes all these people from all the places I could barely pronounce and calls them into one church. Did you know that the first church was a multi-ethnic megachurch? Crazy. Only the Spirit of God could unify people like that. The scriptures also teach us that he's actively, consistently unifying us. He's, he's this, um, this one that we're, it says that we are to, to, to keep the, the bond of peace in the unity of the Holy Spirit. There's a, a, a part right before the fruit of the Spirit is where Paul gives another list, and it's, it's a fun one. He says, the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. And then he gets into these relational ones, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy. He keeps going, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, meaning just etc. But. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. All the good things of God. And it's those good things of God that bring us together. He's God's gift to us who leads us into, get this, increasingly emotional, spiritual, relational health so that we could be people who are all different, different backgrounds, all kinds of cultural differences, and yet unified because the Holy Spirit unifies us. It's beautiful. And so if you're here today, and when we start talking about Holy Spirit, you start getting nervous because you're like, oh gosh, what, what, like, what's going to happen? Here's what I'm saying to you. To welcome the Holy Spirit is to welcome the one who reveals, who empowers, who purifies and unifies. That's what he does in our lives. So let's apply this to our lives. What does this mean for us? What do we do? Well, here's what I want to say. Honor him. Honor him. Here's why I say that. The scriptures tell us that he can be grieved. He can be resisted. He can be disobeyed, quenched, violated, lied to, tested, insulted. And there's the one about blaspheming. Jesus says this one is serious. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is when we say that the work of the Spirit of God is, at, is the work of Satan. 
That's what blaspheming is. It's calling the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that, that we see in the life of Christ is to say that is, that is evil and that is satanic. You say that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So he were warned over and over again of like, look, here, just don't do those. Like that whole list, don't do that. Don't grieve him. Don't, don't resist him. Don't disobey him. Don't quench him. Don't violate him. Don't lie to him. Don't test. Don't, don't insult him. Here's what, here's what we should do. We should honor him. There was a word that was used in this passage. And I think it's an, an important word for us. And it says... Verse 3, they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated, and this is that word, this is the word that we, we, we heard in Jesus' life, it rested on each one of them. The Spirit came to rest on them. And what I would never ever want to happen in our lives is that for whatever reason the Spirit could not rest upon us. He's not a force to be harnessed. He is a person to be honored. The third person of the Trinity, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, the one that broods over the waters in creation. This one has been poured out into our hearts and the promise is for us. And we are just like we would welcome a person into our home. We're to welcome him and to honor him and to say, please come in. We want you here. And so... Today, I want to encourage you to honor him. The word that we see repeatedly in the New Testament is this, be filled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled. So this morning, I just want to pray over us that as we begin this series, that we would ask him, Holy Spirit, to fill us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.